You take an ancient dinosaur god and some toxic waste. You get a monster who stomps around and tries to eat your face. You take some kaiju media, some assholes, and a mic. You get a podcast that'll make you rethink your whole life. So come watch Godzilla with Podzilla, king of the casters with NBN Brandon and Jasper, who's a dog. Welcome to Podzilla, king of the casters. I'm your host, NB Nightingale. And I'm your other host, Brandon. We've locked our producer, Jasper, in a cage. Don't worry, we're not sadists, he's a dog. Today we're here to talk about the film Mothra from 1961, uh, made by Isihoro Honda, who directed the original Godzilla. It is our first non-Godzilla feature we've covered on the podcast. Oh yeah, gotta keep it fresh. But before we get into that, I have been baiting Brandon with the fact that there's a film that you wouldn't consider a kaiju film, because... It's not that I can, that I'm gonna argue is a kaiju film. I know what it is. Fuck right me. now, and right. he doesn't know what it is, and he's gonna hate this. John Singleton's masterpiece debut film, mm-hmm. Boys in the Hood, is a kaiju film. I've never seen it. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I was worried about. Okay, for our audience, I am going to talk about why this classic Ice Cube, Cuba Gooding Jr. film that does not feature a monster, or does it, is a kaiju film. So, kaiju films are denoted by their large casts of archetypical characters. There isn't much complexity imbued into the characters. They are an archetype to exist to respond to the si- to the large situation around them. Mm. Boys in the Hood operates in much the same way. The four main characters are all archetypes. Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character Trey is the young smart uh, the young smart black man in a uh, impoverished neighborhood looking to get out through college. His best friend, uh, Ricky, is the, uh, is the football star who's hoping to get out uh, using his sports acumen. And Ice Cube's character, Doughboy... Is the it, kaiju. No, no, not, <laughs> not quite. Is the uh, archetypical, uh, archetypical uh, person in the, the hood, quote-unquote, that has embraced the lifestyle. And... Then, uh, for the fourth, just because I mentioned the first three, uh, Lawrence Fishburne plays Furious, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s father. Uh, as one of Fast. <laughs> John Singleton actually directed Too Fast, Too Furious, so you're not too far off. But uh, is uh, the typical well-educated uh, Malcolm X type, uh, preaching about, uh, about the systemic racist oppression. Okay, enough about real-world issues. We're a big monster. The big monster is systemic racism. Oh, fuck. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> and in okay. which they are, okay. it is, at first, only peeking its head through the film, intersecting at points. But as we reach the climax, systemic racism's shadow looms so large, bringing the characters to untimely demises. And that is why Boys in the Hood is a kaiju film. (laughs) 
I do not believe anything I've just said, but I really want it to annoy Brandon, and you can't see his face, because this is not a visual medium, but it worked. Oh my goodness. Okay, okay. Um, that would broaden the term of kaiju movie. To be so broad, you could say like... Any ensemble movie is a kaiju movie. You could say Contagion is a kaiju movie. Well. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dangerous thing right there. You we know, need well. content. We have a finite amount of content. The day we say we, we talk about, hey, this is Podzilla on our episode today. Boys in the hood, or what was the name of it? Boys, boys in the hood. Okay, boys in the hood. Okay, the B O Y Z N. Yes. The hood. Okay. Yes. The 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 episode we talk about that is the episode you all should unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I don't think it's literally a kaiju film, but I think spiritually it is following the same format that a kaiju film follows. Okay. Are we in our? All you right. just want to talk about Mothra, don't you? Well, I was about to say that. Um, I was like, wow, I can't wait for the Toho collaboration, Godzilla versus Systemic Racism. Godzilla in the... <laughs> Cuba Gooding Jr.'s in the Millie Bobby Brown role. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Excuse me, Milford Roberta Brown. Alright, so what that monster do in Monster... Okay, well, what's the movie? We did we bring All up right. the movie yet, Nolan? We have not brought up Monster. <laughs> we yet. just brought. We talked more about boys in the hood than we did about the 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 movie. <laughs> We're gonna pivot from systemic racism to a film that is textually, not subtextually, <laughs> oh, no. but quite literally about colonialism. <laughs> yeah. So Mothra is the story of. A bunch of uh, scientists. I I don't rem- I didn't really catch why they were going on an expedition to Mothra Island. Did you? I think there was something. I think it was a science thing because they said I don't think that guy's a scientist though. So yeah, like, there I think was, it was a some science thingy go. The early parts of this movie are weak. We really liked it overall, but the early like the first half hour, we were not expecting to like this movie because it was. Very slow. And very slow, but... Yeah, so there's, like... So they, uh... A bunch of scientists end up on an island with a bunch of natives who pray to a god known as Mothra. Mm. Uh, and there's also two very tiny psychic girls. Yes. Like, a foot tall. And, uh... The, uh, scientists, uh, led by a rich businessman who does business of some sort kill a large portion of the natives with machine guns and steal the two tiny girls and bring them back to perform in a stage show because mm. again and i say this as a theater major theater is evil stay away from it <laughs> i ward you away <laughs> oh goodness uh but and then the uh, the surviving uh, natives pray to Mothra till it awakens and destroys Tokyo until they give the tiny girls back the ends. It's not Tokyo. Yeah, it is Tokyo. It changes to... Uh, the first part where it's the 
Mothra is a larvae is Tokyo. But what he does, um, what she attacks yeah, so, in the finale is called, uh, it was like Kirito City or something? Oh, Newkirk City. Newkirk City. Yes. yes. Okay, so he's right. After, after the initial first attack on Tokyo where the Tokyo Towers destroyed, it does transition to Newkirk City. But, so, yes, and... Brandon has left the room, and he wants me to vamp right now so that he can be back to uh, to, to do what that monster do. Uh, so I'm just going to talk about... I really recommend Boys in the Hood. It's a really solid film. It has a lot of cliches, but they were made before they were cliches. And so it really... Uh, you can really see a complexity imbued into them. Ice Cube gives a masterful performance in the film, which is something I never expected to say of the star of Are We There Yet? <laughs> and now, Are We Done Yet? Yes. Remember that. True. So, okay, Brandon's up. Assuming you didn't just cut my uh, my <laughs> section on Boys in the Hood. Uh, I'm cutting all the Boys in the Hood. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Oh, yeah. way to be systemic racist. <laughs> Listen, I'm no Mothra 1961, okay? Okay. <laughs> so. We'll get to that. What that monster do? So, um, Mothra is a really good design for a monster. She does look great. Yeah, Moth... I have to remember um, that Mothra is a she, because she is the first female kaiju we've covered. Explicitly. Glass ceiling broken. By a giant monster foot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with her! <laughs> I'm with her! I just mentioned yeah. a big office building. And then just the big monster foot. Top to the bottom. Glass ceiling shattered from the top. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that the monster in this movie is, of course, the titular Mothra. And Mothra... You used it right. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> this is called character development. <laughs> so, um, Mothra starts out in this movie as a larvae. Well, or an she egg. starts off as an egg... Well, first, she's a uh, a rock wall. Then, when the last surviving of the slaughtered group of natives, mm. who we'll talk about later, um, <laughs> prays to her as he dies, the wall breaks down and there's an egg, and then she hatches into the larvae. Yes, she hatches, larvae comes out of the egg, and then later in the movie, the larvae becomes in a cocoon, and then out pops the, the mothra. With Mothra with her wings in her full state. So, Mothra goes through a few different forms in this movie, but I want to talk about the larvae form and then the moth form. So, the larvae form was, um, I think we can say that production-wise in the monster, the monster themselves, is a good step up from Raids Again. Yeah, the monsters in Godzilla Raids Again looked real rough, and that was just six years before this movie. Yes. So, oh, production value, and like even better than the original Godzilla, which was seven years before this movie, and the same director. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So Mothra in her larva form looks very good. Yeah. And you want to know why that is? Mothra's larvae form 
was the largest costume in the Showa era of Toho in this movie. Huh. It was seven feet tall, almost 30 feet long, and weighed over 260 pounds. Wow, so that means even the miniatures were really big that it were around. Cause I'd assume when I saw those miniatures that, like, oh, Mothra's probably, like, two feet tall. But no, seven. Wow. Yeah, so the Mothra's larvae form, that suit needed eight actors to move it. Hmm. So it's incredible. It's... It's very effective, though. I think the scale of Mothra in her in her flight form too, but especially in the larvae form when she's like gliding across Tokyo's ground and like smashing into things, it's it looks very impressive. Like it's good yeah. stuff. So I think um, that so larvae Mothra in a larvae form is sort of what you'd expect from like kind of like a silkworm caterpillar looking creature. Yeah. Like, uh, right, she's a, she's like a gray color, but with still the blue eyes yeah. that come into play when she turns into a moth. Yeah. So, um, when larvae, so eventually, in the scene in the movie that I thought, why did she do that? But makes sense. Um, the Mothra, Mothra smashes down the Tokyo, I think it's called the Tokyo Tower. Yeah, Tokyo Tower. Yeah, she smashes down Tokyo Tower, and I'm like, if in this movie Mothra is, and we get into this, a good monster, why would she do that? And then I realized it's because she was using the remains of the Tokyo Tower to make her cocoon. Yeah. Which I'm like, oh, like, this is the first time in one of these movies where I asked a question and then it immediately answered it. Maybe she was just an architecture fan. <laughs> like, she... I know a lot of people think the Eiffel Tower is an eyesore, and the Tokyo Tower is a recreation of that. So maybe she was just like, ah, fuck you. <laughs> Classical Roman architecture only. I'm Jordan Peterson, the caterpillar. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. So, um, yeah, so Mothra goes into her cocoon, and towards the fi- I think it's the final 20 minutes of the movie, we see her in her moth state. Yeah, it's like... Little less than the final twenty minutes of the movie, at least in the cut we saw, which we'll talk about the cut we saw later when we get to story stuff. Yes. So I can talk about Mothra is a in her final form of being a moth, she def she's a she looks like a force a giant moth with large light blue eyes that are like you know, they're um they have light in them. In a color scheme of white orange black and yellow across her body and wings so what was interesting was when i first saw her design i was like her wings look more like a butterfly than a moth at first yeah and i was like i wonder and i looked into it but it's because mothra the monster is based off of a giant silk moth in real life yeah and if you see a giant silk moth the body type isn't quite the same. They're a lot like broader shoulder and a little head. <gasps> While Mothra is more traditionally what you would think of as a moth. Yeah. More of a, a large circular head. But um, the giant silk moth, the wings are dead on. Yeah. Like it has those sort of tiger spirals of black and white and orange and yeah. yellows. So it's a very good design. And um, it was interesting that the larvae form was a lot larger than what the actual adult form turned out to be. But it's a good design. Um, Mothra is a really strong kaiju design, obviously, and she's considered the queen of the monsters. You don't hear it in this movie. Maybe in, maybe in our... 
Maybe in the future. I'm not sure if it's an actual canonical thing or if that's just like a title because she's been portrayed so often as Godzilla's girlfriend that they've given that fans have given her. We'll we'll find out when after we've watched every Godzilla movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I could say that um so Mothra themselves is a very good monster in this movie design wise. Yeah. And I can get into a bit more of the effects now. Where it was funny we brought up Tokyo Tower because Tokyo Tower was built just a few years before this movie came out. I guess Honda didn't like it much either. He <laughs> said, Hora Honda was like, I see them building that. I'm going to fucking destroy it. Well, funnily enough, uh, the Toho crew was excited to build that miniature and break it during the movie. <laughs> So, because that was the first time they broke it in a movie. I'm guessing maybe it'll, more monsters will destroy it in the future? Probably. I feel I feel like just from stock footage from these movies, I've seen Tokyo Tower quite a few times. <laughs> yeah. And then um, in the water, because there's significant amount of scenes where the larvae is in the water before she comes onto the land. It's a three foot tongue, it's a three foot long prop that is propelled by a motorcycle engine <laughs> under, underwater. So that's how they got it to move around. And um, this was also the most expensive movie ever made in Japan when it came out. That makes sense. It does make sense because um, the miniatures look really good in this movie for the most part. <laughs> like, With uh, a notable exception. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they, the miniature work is great. The bridge? Overall, no. Oh, the bridge no, in is great. Of, in terms of being good? Yeah, the bridge is great. Like, at one point, the whole bridge just collapses as, uh, remember, it's like Mothra's going through it, and the, you just see bits and concrete and all these rubble coming through. Yeah. Oh, it's really good stuff. The twins are not so great. <laughs> yeah, uh, the twins, because so, if we said previously, they are a foot tall, so yeah. the it, scaling... It works, I think it works fine when it's just them. Yeah, when it's shots of them with, where they built large versions of small things around them in like an actual set, it works. It's, the verisimilitude is intact. Yes. When it's, a, but whenever they get grabbed, it's one of two things. If they watch y'all moving while they're grabbed, it is a horrible blue screen. (laughs) Like, where you can... Just, they move a hand or anything, and for like a second after, you see blue. <laughs> blue streaks and, all over. Or it is literally just Barbie dolls, like <laughs> those kind of offensive ones they don't make anymore of like, Islander Barbie. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so they look, they look rough, but, um, there is... Some interesting things about... So Mothra in this movie shoots out silk. That's her main attack, her ranged attack in this movie. Yeah. she. I don't think... I mean, her. I'd say her ranged attack is the fact that she flaps her wings and it's enough to make a vortex that sucks cars <laughs> into it. Well, yeah. I'm talking... I meant yeah. more like in the larvae form. I don't That's think... That's fair. I don't... I think she maybe used only the silk once. Yeah, she uses she... the silk to attack that helicopter. Yeah, back when... And she... then she uses it to make the peanut cocoon and then yeah. she goes yeah okay so she only uses it to attack once in the movie yeah and it's when she's a larvae and they made that by her silk was created with dissolving rubber paste with like thinner and spraying it through an airbrush in the larvae's mouth it was so hot it could burn crew members skin 
So that's a little scary. Worker safety. It was it was 1960 around around there was production. So it, I they just did it like that. I mean, we make fun of worker safety back in films like these, and we do it a lot because it's deserved. Like they put their <laughs> actors in a lot of danger in these movies, but you know, then you get like people die in making Deadpool 2. Deadpool 2's not worth dying for. I don't even think Deadpool 1's worth dying for. I like how it's the quality of the movie that made it like, man, that's not worth it. Now, here was the Citizen Kane. As if, like, if it were during, like, the Dark Knight, I'd be like, well, it was a worthy sacrifice. (laughs) Or that guy who died during a well, there was triple a... X for the joke. Moral of the story is don't be a dick. <laughs> no. Where it's just like that. The stunt performed to that line killed a man. Damn. So you know, all that is horrible. But we can't condemn uh, the Japanese film industry for stuff that's still happening in modern day Hollywood. Woohoo! Woohoo! All right. So as a last thing. Um... Mothra's roar, it's very high-pitched. Yeah. It definitely sounds like an insect roar, kind of, like yeah. a squeal. Yeah. It's a heavily modified Anguirus roar. Huh. Anguirus. Anguirus, ah! We gotta break the habit! <laughs> it's a heavily, it's a heavily pitch-shifted Anguirus roar, which makes sense, because Anguirus is very high-pitched already. That does, yeah, that does make sense. Oh. That was how they did Mothra's roar in this movie. So... There's a lot of good stuff here. So it's yeah. it was the most detailed miniatures that Toho did up to that point. Hmm. So it was really, really good effects on this movie. Yeah, that was one of one of, the practical effects were so good in so many places in this film. Oh yeah. Yep, so I think that's about all I have for the monster, but um I think we can as a story we can transition to Mothra is the first monster we've had that is definitively good about that it's that's complicated we'll Uh, talk about that real quick mm -hmm. uh so yeah so uh it's hard because we have to talk about the colonialism which is why mothra is attacking because we talked briefly about the slaughter of natives at a level that would make winston churchill say slow down dude (laughs) Uh, but, uh, so Mothra is a vengeful spirit, and in that I feel she is justified, uh, because, and she's not, vengeful might even be too strong a word, like, Retribution? Pay? Even, not even that, because, like, once the two... Once the twins are returned to her, she's just... She's peaceful. Once they show intent to return the twins to her, she's just like, okay, I'm done. So it's it's not even revenge. It's just... Justified action? You kind of took two two people into slavery, my dudes. Could you stop that? And I won't wreck your shit anymore. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go to a uh, commercial break now, and then we will discuss more story stuff when we get back. Alright. But, you know, we can't just let an episode go without Godzilla. So, enjoy this Godzilla commercial in the interim. 
is actually pretty cool. Except when he's hungry. With from Snickers. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. See the new Godzilla in theaters May 16th. Hope you enjoyed that commercial. Now we gotta talk about blackface. Oh. <laughs> to a lighter topic. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we... We know this has been a charged episode, but it's uh, it's kind of hard to talk about this episode without talking about how the natives who feature prominently in this film are mostly Japanese actors and one white actor as the head one. Yeah. In blackface. Yeah. Yep. It was um. It was a it was a hard thing we noticed because I didn't see that in any of the other, in when, when uh, we rented this movie on, uh, YouTube. Uh, yeah, we accidentally rented a the dubbed American version. We try to stick to subbed versions in the original Japanese, but uh, that we spent four bucks, so we were like, we're, <laughs> we're not rebuying this. We're gonna. <laughs> We're gonna watch this one, and some scenes were cut from it that we'll talk about in a minute. But yeah, yeah we were, we got uh, into it, and when the natives first show up, so the first thing we see are the twins who, they're you know they're dressed like quote unquote natives, but they are just uh, Asian actresses in like Honolulu yeah. suits. Yeah, they they don't they don't have. Their skin has not been altered in any way, but yeah. Uh, but then, the second they're in danger, uh, start he- seeing some figures emerge. Yeah, from the, the forest. The natives show up, and they're and it took a second. The it took a second, I think, because we were just like, granted, it'd probably either way be problematic, but like it wouldn't if it had just been a bunch of of actors in just dressed as if they were native islanders it, we, it wouldn't have been to an extent where we would feel like this attempted un- unpolitical podcast uh <laughs> would have to address it but uh yeah they were in blackface yeah a lot of it <laughs> yep and it it's not just one scene it comes back a few times there, and it's it's constantly... a solid 15 minutes of this film is prop total I would say is probably dedicated exclusively to actors in blackface. Yeah, it's when we started the movie it was the we were like, "Whoa, look at that." It I think this is the first um white people in a Godzilla movie. Yeah, we did Oh, there is like we will talk about that when we talk about the villain Nelson a bit, but uh yeah, there is a significant white cast in this film which we were surprised by because you know these are Japanese films. They primarily have Japanese actors in them. It was a collaboration yeah. with um, Columbia Pictures for this movie, which yeah. we can get into. Um, yeah. Story wise, but yeah, so we we're like, oh wow, like look at this. This is interesting. Like, um, I guess we have like some white actors in this movie, and then one of the white actors pulled up uh, in the tribe. Yeah. <laughs> and I was Ooh. like, oh. That's really bad. 
That is. Okay. That so I feel like that's as much as we need to acknowledge that and we can move on now. <laughs> yeah, I just wrote down his last thing is that the the blackface white dude was the one who prayed to Mothra after his people were slaughtered. Yeah. And I was like thematically okay but like oh this feels so bad yeah blonde haired blue eyed dude Uh, but moving on we just need to acknowledge just know that's a thing you know if if you watch along with us you had to watch this movie so we it wouldn't have been fair for us to just leave that there like a turd for you to deal with yeah we go oh there's something we're not gonna talk about see it for yourself and it's right there so that's yeah, it's bad. It's real bad. Kind of, kind of brings this movie down from a movie I'd be like, oh, this is one of the best like yeah this... kaiju movies too. Oh, you gotta be like, you gotta yeah like <laughs> this is one we we can't you can't like just recommend to someone if you're recommending it to someone you have to sit them down and be like, listen. Japanese culture has not had the same history with blackface that American culture has. That does not make it right or easier to swallow for us, but yeah, they don't have the same relationship, so they felt they could do this. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you don't want to have that conversation with just some guy who's asking you, what movie should I watch? <laughs> so, yeah, once we get past yeah. all that. So, um, I guess we could... Before we, um, do we want to talk about our thoughts on the movie before or after we go to the more of the story? I didn't realize we hadn't talked about them yet. Yeah. Did they get wrapped up in Boys in the Hood talk? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Boy, Boys in the Hoodzilla. So, yeah, so I, I want to say I really like this movie, but again, the stuff we just discussed about, which we said we would not talk about anymore makes it a rough pill to swallow so i feel kind of really mixed on the bag yeah it's i think i'm in a similar boat where i think this is a i think this is a good movie but though every time that's those scene come up it's like I would rather be watching any of the other Toho movies that we've seen. Any of them? Any of them, Brandon? Are you going to try to get me recorded whether or not I think Blackface or Manila are worse? Yes! (laughs) Okay, alright. Tell me right now. For the sake of humanity, I will say Manila is better. There we go. (laughs) I would not go that far. So the kaiju of systemic racism is not as good as the kaiju Manila. <laughs> Callback jokes, baby! Yeah, oh my goodness. So I would say it's a well-made movie. It's got a lot of great effects. I think it may be a movie that you just try to watch the best clips of on YouTube. Yeah, and it's... Like, Good for context because of how big of a role Mothra plays throughout Godzilla films uh, to have her solo film. It's, yeah. Yes, but, um, you know, there. I think there should be a warning or something on this movie. Yeah. I have a friend who, he only watches the Avengers films. He doesn't really give a crap about the, uh, about the uh, solo films, so he... Uh, 
he just reads the Wikipedias on the uh, solo films to prep himself. And mm. I, well, I think he's crazy and that's dumb. And Steven, you should feel bad about yourself. <laughs> um, I do think that, that would probably be the way to deal with uh, Mothra in this. Uh, just, sure. you know, get the brief skinny on Mothra's deal and then enjoy the films she's in that do not feature uh, blackface. Yes. We're... Yep. So that's that's our thoughts of the movie. It's a... It has a well... It is a strong production to it. It's just... That is a, as a rot. <laughs> that is yeah. a rot that is only going to make this worse with time. Yeah. But let's talk about the villain. Yes. Because I really like the villain. Uh, Nelson. Society. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The villain, Nelson, the vague rich guy uh, who who steals the little women to uh, do his stage show. What an interesting crossover with little women. (laughs) (laughs) So he steals the twins and... So he can put a stage show on, which for a group of very small women seems like the wrong medium to, uh, to show them off in. You even said so, but then they came out in this like golden carriage, and then Nold was like, I'm here for this, this could be cool, and then the natives show up again. <laughs> yeah, which we're not sure if those were... Oh, no, hey, we, no we, we, wanna, we said no wanna, more talk of hey, this. Hey, do you want to bring up what you thought, me of which one was worse? <laughs> uh, we're joking. So it was, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So he does a stage show for them, and it 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 does have some flair at the beginning. They do have a cool like fly entrance. Then, well, they are either actors doing blackface in the universe of the of the movie, or are literal slaves brought on to be performers uh, are a part of the show and. We said we wouldn't talk about this anymore, so we're gonna breeze on past. Uh, but yeah, so Nelson is a megalomaniac. He's a uh, he's got a real uh, a Raúl Julia flair, like you know who uh, you know the guy from uh, he played Gomez Adams in the uh, Adams film family movies, uh, and he was uh, M Bison in Street uh-huh. Fighter. He. Uh, really campy actor, and the guy kind of vaguely looks like him, and he's got a real scenery chewingness to him, and I really enjoyed him for that, because uh, he is a very prominent rich man from the fake nation of Rosinda. Is that it? Yeah, a uh, Roliska. Roliska. So Rolis Roliska. Roliska is a, and we I found this um on the IMDb. It is a hybrid. It's supposed to be a hybrid, just a mix of the U.S. and the USSR, and the name is a is a mix between the two countries with how the Japanese the Japanese pronunciation of the term. Yeah. So that's why it's called Roliska, and um, so they go to Roliska. Yes, so Roliska is a hybrid of U.S. and USSR together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but so yeah, he's prominent on there, and. He doesn't get killed by Mothra, though, which is sad. He should yeah. have been munched on by a monster. He gets a... It's like the this l- is actually really thematically cool, but I don't... I don't want to talk about the natives again. Uh, <laughs> but he's a... Uh, so he... Because he is... 
he initiated the genocide of them, and then his own people are crowding his car as they're trying to escape from Amathra, mm. and he kind of freaks out and starts seeing flash, like having PTSD flashbacks to the natives, and he starts like waving his gun around and he shoots a cop. And then a bunch of other cops shoot him and he dies. They gun him down. Yeah. As Mothra is approaching. And I, and it's it's pretty wild, but I wanted like a lawyer in Jurassic Park thing where Mothra just like eats him or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, that's what I wanted. Nelson's death is wild, but it does leave the rest of the last 10 minutes of the movie lacking because yeah. then there's just. There's no conflict anymore. The one guy who's like, I don't want to return the twins to Mothra is dead. And then, you know, the heroes are like, we want to return the twins to Mothra. And Mothra's like, I want the twins from you. So, <laughs> like, there's no conflict anymore. Yeah, but, and there's still a bit of destruction. So Mothra's just making her way over and yeah. just crushing some buildings and yeah. everything. And I'm like, is that really necessary at this point? <laughs> like, the guy's dead. Like just wrap it up and bring us home, please. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I felt. Um, I will say though is that with the plot, so I guess we got the end of the movie is the twins are given back to Mothra, and then Mothra flies off, and that's the end of the movie. Well, you you're cutting some stuff out, mm. in which I'm not sure which way they're implying here, but in which either. Mothra is so subservient to Jesus Christ that... Oh, the religious imagery? Yes! So, oh, no. Okay, so they lure Mothra back using a painting of the cross. Mm. Uh, and then we find out that the cross is a symbol in on Mothra Island. Yeah, so, in the cave. There's like a big cross symbol. Yeah. So there's which, some religious undertone to it, Which leads to one of two possibilities. Either... Even Mothra recognizes God's power, which feels like a really weird spin to put on this movie. Yeah. Mothra's not dead. She's surely alive. She's living on the inside. Oh. <laughs> or, or Mothra is in fact our Lord and Savior, and all and the uh, the Abrahamic religions all derive their imagery and belief from Mothra, who has existed since the beginning of time. So, either Mothra recognizes God as the highest power, or Mothra is God. One of those two well, is heavily implied by the ending. Well, Nolan, I think this may uh, twist that a bit with the deleted scenes. Oh, let's get into the deleted scenes. There are two deleted scenes from the American dub we watched. The first... I would say the first one is where two priests ask the populace of New Kirk City to pray for Mothra to end her reign over the city. And oh. the second scene is where uh, Sinshiro crosses himself after they're asked to pray. More so, religious themes. So what you're saying is Mothra is God? It's kind. I think that's kind of where these are leaning a bit into, where the priests the priests ask people to pray pray for Mothra. You heard it here first, folks. 
Christianity? Bleh. Judaism? Patui. Islam? Not gonna touch it for political reasons. Mothra, <laughs> the one true religion. <laughs> Praise be unto the moth. So, yeah, I would say that is a theme in this movie, though, is overall... It comes Mo- in real late in the film, though. No, it does, but I'm saying overall, the yeah. film is more mystical than the previous uh, kaiju movies. Yeah, the previous kaiju movies were very sci-fi-leaning. Yeah. Uh, prehistoric dinosaurs, and they've been awoken. And, but no, Mothra is just, like, divine power, motherfuckers! Like, it's a very different feel, but I will... Uh, I made a note for the story here. Mothra has, like, real stakes in that as it's going through. Yeah. Because you, you cut back to, um... It's a good <laughs> yeah. thematic, um, I guess, theme for the movie is that, like, as they're doing this and, oh, they come home and you see, like, you know, the, the twins are being paraded around as, like, this carny yeah. kind of thing. And then you cut back to the cave where Mothra is, like, starting to hatch. And, like, it's sort of showing you that, more so than the other movies I think we've seen so far, it's, like, Mothra's coming. Like, you can feel it as the movie's going on. In previous movies, it'd be, like, Godzilla smashed around, then he's done, and now he's back. Like, well, with this one, I think... It's a building tension. Yeah, and including with how Mothra changes her forms. It's the first movie we've seen that does that, I think, from Bray. Where there she... are more, from my understanding. Godzilla versus Violante will uh, will have form changes, but uh, but yeah, this is the first one we've seen or discussed about, or chronologically, I guess, in the uh, films that uh, where that happens. Yeah, and it's cool. Yeah, it changes uh, how how she. Do you consider the seeing the uh, the iguanas at the beginning of Godzilla ninety eight? And then later seeing Zilla, who is clearly a radiated iguana. Do you consider that a form change? <laughs> well, the regular form iguanas don't do anything plot That's relevant. Fair. So, like, if the little iguana was like, Oh, it's in the scientist coat and he's running around. Like, that'd be something. Okay, but what about uh, the ants in Son of Godzilla? They just get bigger. That's fair. So it's not really a form change. It's just a... Uh, a size increase. Yeah. <laughs> they scale times ten. But, uh... But yeah, so... Is it... The plot of the movie is that? Yeah, so, uh... I just... Uh, I don't have much else to say, but I do want to talk about... Uh, the poster. Oh, ooh, I have one thing to say first. Oh, it's yeah. about plot things. Um, So, I did reference earlier that Columbia Pictures helped the financing of this movie and yeah. releasing in America. Yeah. You can see that at the start of the movie, it's not a Toho logo, it's a Columbia Pictures logo. So they had an agreement with Toho to help the release and finance the film, but Mothra had to attack a non-Japanese city. So they made Newkirk City. They made Newkirk City, because here's the thing. The, screen wi- the screenwriter for Mothra, Sikazawa, he wanted Mothra to attack New York City but he had to settle for the fictional New Kirk City. Hmm. I think it would have been sick to see Mothra tearing up New York. That would have... The King Kong... Uh, there were a lot of King Kong references throughout. It's clear that Ishoro Honda was a big fan of King Kong. Hmm. Uh, 
So yeah, I think the the New York would have been the the pin in the cap there. Yeah, like the structure of the film is literally expedition to island accidentally finds monster in this this time uh little people instead of big thing yeah. uh bring it back to the city to perform a stage show oops that goes wrong city in destruction <laughs> it's, yeah. it it follows a lot of plot beats it's not like a it's not like a one for one thing but there the the plot beats are in there uh. So yeah, um, you wanted to let's bring up the poster. <laughs> it's got a, a tagline on it that I find very hard to unpack. That I want to talk about. Yep. So Mothra, ravishing a universe for love, which <laughs> makes this movie sound weirdly sexual, which it is not. No. It's like the like yes for love. But it's not like a, it's not like a love, like a hunga hunga love. It's, it's like a love of the people, love of the party. Do, 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 do. I don't know the Russian national anthem. Play the Tetris music, but slow. But, uh, but yeah, so it's like a, yeah, it's. It's definitely, it's, ravishing the universe for love makes it sound like we're about to watch a 70s softcore pornographic <laughs> feature. And that is yeah. not what that is, this is. Yeah, because even for most of the movie, like, Mothra is a, how would I describe it? Mothra, in her moth form, is a more, like, gentle monster design than Godzilla with his sharpness and everything. Yeah. So it, it, it sort of does appear more like the love and everything, but, like, Mothra is like this gross little larvae for most of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> she really <laughs> like, is. <laughs> like only in really the last, like we said, less than twenty minutes, she becomes yeah. actually the moth. Yeah. So that's the thing. So, um, Nolan, are we are we gonna get into make it gritty? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna play make it gritty. Obviously, Mothra has already been. In the uh, legendary MonsterVerse films. Yes. King uh, of the Monsters, second movie. But there is a large aspect of this film and of monster lore that is not in the uh, legendary films yet. And that's the twins, who are heavily tied to Mothra. These two one-foot-tall... Uh, I wouldn't even say one-foot. They're more like... Si they look They're like tiny. six inches. Yeah. These two six-inch-tall psychic uh, women... How would we put them in the MonsterVerse? I, I can start. I got something. Okay. So I think that with how the legendary MonsterVerse is set up, you do... I think they may have another Mothra egg or something, because I think Mothra... I don't think she dies in King of the Monsters, right? Remember? Mothra dies, but at the very end, there's like a new Mothra egg is oh, okay. out there. Okay, so... I will say that I think that the twins being humans is such a large leap to make for like that that kind of monster verse movie. Yeah. That I don't think you'd be able to do it in that way. Okay. I think if you'd had little like CG humans like hi and waving, 
it would completely destroy any tone you're trying to set in the movie okay. for any kind of realism whatsoever. All right. Which, you know, the MonsterVerse movies are not known for their realism, but I feel like once you add mysticism, it might cut it a bit. <laughs> like, as the MCU was shown, you can't add the wizards first. <laughs> yeah. It takes a while. You gotta drip feed it. So the MonsterVerse is definitely not that point yet. So I will say the twins, I think they have to be very, like, insectoid-like. Okay. Like, I feel like Mothra is a bug, a moth. The twins have to be something like another bug. Like a mantis or, like, a smaller moths or something. Something that connect them to Mothra in the way of their design. Maybe they're larvae, who knows. But... Um, honestly, my idea is pretty similar to one that I was talking about for Manila, in that some evil person could, t- like, steal them from her island, from Mothra's island, and then use them to wage war on things. Because hmm. we see it in that movie, in the movie directly, is that Mothra will destroy anything she's gotta to get to them. Yeah. So I figured, um, I think as a, just a last of the gritty thing, though, I would like to see an unhinged Mothra <laughs> So I think in the end of the movie, where the twins are introduced, they should die, and then Mothra should just go crazy. Because we've never seen that. Mothra is like a very gentle, or not gentle, but like, you know, she's not a Godzilla just making uh, making messes because she likes to. Yeah, Mothra only hurts because she has to. Exactly. So I think seeing a moment where Mothra does do something like that like maybe another monster kills them and then like she just rips them apart it'd be good i'd like to see it it'd be fun all right that yeah now here's my pitch okay so full mysticism how i would do a twins based movie uh in the legendary verse so interior shot i'm gonna give you the uh, yeah i'm gonna give you the opening <laughs> scene of this film interior shot carnival <laughs> So we see a, a man getting ready for his day, and you know, uh, ra- some uh, talking heads is playing. Okay. Where do the days go by? That all that he's like oh, yeah. straightening his tie. Let's he's making a cup of coffee, sipping it. He uh, kisses his wife uh, and ruffles his son's head, and he walks out the door, and a giant foot steps oh. on him. <gasps> And we pan up, and it's Milford Roberta Brown, who is a normal-sized person, who has found this society (laughs) of small people. And as we learn about the society of small people, (laughs) we find the heads of the society, (laughs) the twins, who are these mystic kind of cult leaders people. So, it's a reversal on the format in which Millie Bobby Brown isn't interacting with large things. She's interacting with small things. So, it becomes a kaiju movie in its own right. Yes, by making Milford Roberta Brown the kaiju. So, Nolan, you know what you just said? Gulliver's Travels is a kaiju movie. Congratulations, you've played yourself. We're not doing it on the show! <laughs> You've played yourself. God damn. You just... 
You just made a coffin of your own of your own two hands. And Jack Black with this giant hammer just clamped <laughs> down on the nails. Oh god. Now this is what I call plot progression. You've just gotten us from one Jack Black film we could possibly do on this podcast to two Jack Black <laughs> films we could possibly do on this podcast. So, so yeah, that's fun though. Yeah, alright. So with that, we are going to uh We don't have an email question this week. Yeah, we're um so, uh please send us emails. We send love us emails. that. Yes, please send us some questions. Uh you can just ask them in any of our tweets too from our Twitter. Um, at uh, Podzilla C, the C stands for. Uh, it was a mistake. We were too late at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and so yeah, you can uh, email us at kingofthecasters at gmail dot com. Mm. And uh, if you want to listen to more episodes here, we follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and we've got a, bu- a bunch of the other minor. Uh, pod catchers we've ended up on mm. i don't know if you signed us up for those or if we just automatically ended up on them but i know we are on a lot of those pod catchers from looking at our stats okay i figured um us uploading to we are also on rss.com yeah that is where we upload the episodes and yeah. they kind of distribute over mm-hmm. i'm guessing maybe those are the yeah. rss.com is auto moving us yeah us too so uh, but yeah, we aren't on Apple Podcasts yet, and we want to be. We might be by the time this episode comes out. We actually. probably will be. At the time of this recording, Apple Podcasts is still like down. Yeah. <laughs> like so, hopefully that's resolved soon. But yeah, so that's uh, that's it. And mm. so I, uh, I mean, what do we? What's our next video here? What are we doing? Well, our we, next we, podcast. We, we told. We said last time that this was a duology, and oh, yes. it is. Mm. So we've done Mothra now, and we can go back to our boy Godzilla with 1964's Mothra versus Godzilla. Mm. See you next time, baby. Catch you later.